Love it, man. <laughs> I would legit love. I feel like you would have a great personality on camera to. to I'm do trying that. to. Someone told me I sound like a Texas speech audio the other day, and I almost cried. Texas speech. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's like the worst comment so I could have ever got. It was like one of my old tutorials where it was very robotic, but like I was still ready it's to also just cry. So funny. <laughs> and what a good insult! It's such a niche insult. <laughs> Oh, it was, it was rough. <laughs> followed up by like a comment that's like, keep up the good work. And I was like, that's it. That's the balance. <laughs> you sound like Siri's brother. <laughs> it hurt. It hurt. That was a rough one. Like I could take like other other things, but that one really cut deep. <laughs> Dang, man. Because <laughs> you guys haven't heard my brother's voice, but everyone tells him he has like a podcast voice, a radio mm. host oh, voice. Oh, no. I go to the barbers the other day, right? And they're like, are you Chad's brother? But just like without the nice voice. And I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Are you, I'm the one trying to actually speak. And I, I you roasted me. <laughs> so, Man, it, what a dig. And yeah, yeah. And that's like the same day I get the Texas speech thing. I'm just like, mm. You're like, I got to change oh, my voice, I guess. both in the guess. same day. Yeah, I was really cutting deep. I was ready to delete the channel so and sorry. everything. Oh <laughs> Okay, now now I'm done with my side <laughs> That's perfect. There's a good cold open right there. Yeah. I love that. Just include more self-deprecating stuff on the channel. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that's what I'm best at, I guess. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's what people love to hear, see. I don't know. I can't catch a single fish. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm an idiot who run. sounds bad. I can't fish. I don't have a good voice. But you know what? I'm here. So. <laughs> I can I'm take here a picture. <laughs> podcast for artists, entrepreneurs, and everybody in between. I'm Steven. I'm Eric. And in between us today is <laughs> Kyler Steele. Yeah. Kyler Steele. Let's Ooh, go. Do the applause thing. Yeah. Uh, I can't read which read, one oh, is the Great train. Yeah. Yeah. We can't hear, we can't it. hear it. Like it. You yeah. can't hear it, but we're applauding you right now. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, for those of you who have been longtime listeners of the show, you might recognize Kyler as a Rally Caps alumni. We interviewed him almost exactly a year ago, actually. Yeah. Super fun. <laughs> Applause. <laughs> um, yeah. Super fun episode. We did that one remotely. He was in Jersey. We were in Chicago. And now we have this awesome studio. He is visiting Chicago for a couple of days, and we have the distinct honor of. Catching up with him again for a follow-up episode. Super excited to have you back on the show, Kyler. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's been a year, and back then was like the first time I talked to you guys. Mm -hmm. I remember I was late because I came back from a trip, and I really thought Eric was going to hate me because he messaged me on Instagram. He's like, yo, you coming to this podcast? And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and then you jumped on, and our internet cut out because yeah, someone made coffee. <laughs> Oh yeah, there were a lot of technical oh, difficulties. They don't know. So they don't know this. They don't know. <laughs> yeah, they this don't know the that. studio. No. Like yeah. we we <laughs> have a breaker in one room and a circuit that runs to our little kitchenette, and it can only hold a certain amount of wattage. So mm -hmm. anytime we try to do two things at once, the internet goes out. <laughs> yeah, because we have we have two hot water heaters and our router on one very very old line. Which one do you think gets cut out the most? <laughs> Always the router. Yeah. So we but, felt super embarrassed, but you wouldn't have known that because of editing magic. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, 
was a great episode though, and we're super. I feel like you're the type back. of person that could help us fix that problem. Fix it, yeah. I think it just needs to go in another plug, probably. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. We love yeah, that you're Eric an engineer and everything. Go in another plug, <laughs> and totally your voice an sounds to stupid that too. Out. <laughs> <laughs> you're a tech guy. Could you have any recommendations? Yeah, stop being stupid. Yeah, stop plug sounding like an automated else. voice. <laughs> So what's what's good? What's new in your life? We're not even going to intro what you do. They can figure it out. Sure, sure. Look yeah. up his name, a lot, a lot of Steel. Ch- well, uh, that's a big reason we're doing this is because a lot has changed since the last episode we did with you. Yeah, it's been one year. I remember last year we were talking and you guys asked me like how many Instagram followers I had. And I was like, just about 15,000. Yeah, where, where are you at now? Uh, over 200,000. Okay, cool. Yeah. 7 million. Cool, cool, yeah, cool. 7 million. Exponential <laughs> growth. <laughs> that is some um, insane growth, man. Yeah, so it's been like a wild year, and I've definitely learned a lot more about entrepreneur lifestyle, social yeah. media, the way it carves you, the way that you control it and all that stuff. And I was talking a lot before this podcast. I think I got a lot of stuff, but I know Eric hasn't heard anything yet. Steam's kind of heard yeah. A little bit of the spiel, but A little yeah. bit on the drive back from O'Hare. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you only flew in this morning. My goodness. It yeah. already feels like you've been here for a while. Yeah, I'll give you guys a preview of the entrepreneurial lifestyle. That's what I told Steven. Is, um, yesterday, I work at 9 to 5 because I, I, I have a new job than I did last year. I'm a project manager now. But after my 9 to 5, I do a lot of photo and video editing. I do that till about 10 o'clock. And then I have friends on the West Coast that like to play Call of Duty. So I like to have a good work-life balance. So I play Call of Duty till like 1 a.m. because that's like 11 for them, which is a normal time to go to sleep. Um, and then I had a flight here at 4 a.m. So my balance is three hours of sleep. <laughs> but I'm doing great. But you're t- you played <laughs> last night. Yeah, yeah. I had a good time. We got a, we got a win. There you we, go. Uh, we're doing trios and quads in Warzone 2. Got a good win. I was... I was really cracked yesterday, but Damn, does man. project manager just mean you you manage playing video games? Um, it could. That was a bad joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, could. It, it could. That was a that was a dumb question, Eric. <laughs> okay, tell us more about project management and that job and why you took it. And I mean, can you pay the bills doing entrepreneurial stuff or like? Are you, is that a yeah, that's that's a good question. I actually had my yes. my CEO. <laughs> yes, good one, one for one, <laughs> one for two. No, one yeah, for we two. B- balanced it out. <laughs> yeah, I had my my CEO call me the other day, like a Slack call, and he was like, "Kyler, I see your like photo video business is growing a lot." He's like, "Are you are you gonna be leaving us soon?" And he's like, "Cause I need to like replace you if you are." And I was like, "No, no." I was like, "Yeah, there's been a lot of followers and a lot of growth, and it's been great, but I don't plan on it like right now because um, I think one thing is." There are a lot of uh, photo video clients that I have, but I'm trying to trim it down to get like a better work-life balance um, because project management is, um, like right now I'm working at a startup, so I'm managing two projects, but it can grow to four or five projects. So right now it's a little slow as I'm learning because it's a new career path that I've taken from software engineer. Yeah. So I'm also like, while I'm managing these projects, I'm taking a course on project management to be better, mm-hmm. which actually is great because it fits into the entrepreneurial lifestyle because yeah. I'm sure you guys know like project management is really important in the creative thing because if you don't script your project and have a timeline for your project, it's going to fall through. You're going to miss a lot of deadlines. So the learning that I'm getting from my real job translates into my entrepreneurial lifestyle, yeah. which is very helpful. So although I don't have the full day to commit to creative stuff, I'm learning a lot that's applicable in both. I think that's really going to be really inspiring for a lot of people to hear because I feel like the creative world these days is so one lane 
and so focused on like, no, you just need to hyper focus <laughs> on your art in this one niche. And I think so many people don't recognize the value of a multidisciplinary lifestyle and your entrepreneurship and your creativity and your art and how much it can influence and even inspire your creativity in the artistic side. Yeah, it, like I said, it works both ways. Like growing a lot on uh, social media has helped like my company that I'm working at because I'm helping them with design work and helping mm -hmm. them with their own social media channel uh, channels to get more content out and more clients. Mm -hmm. So it actually ends up being a good deal, but obviously there are like tipping the scales. Like it could be days where the nine to five is a lot of work and it could be days where I have a big project coming up. So. It does become difficult at sometimes, like I say, the times where I'm doing a lot of work and then I want to play games with my friends. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, like right now, I, I chose this career. I think that was your original question. I chose this career over software engineering because software engineering was less of those people skills. So it wasn't translating as much, mm. whereas project management is a lot more transferable skills. And it's a lot more like open time because if I manage my time well at my work, then I can have more time for creative endeavors. So. That's really cool, man. So I guess as far as balancing a nine to five job where you are employed by someone else and then the client work that you have on your own for your own business, managing those two things at the same time and seeing both kind of advance in their own rights. Do you like that approach? Would you recommend that to other artists who are just starting out and maybe building their business to have a whole separate nine to five job that's reliable income as they build up their side hustle? Yeah, I definitely recommend it because I think a lot of people, like I've seen videos of people um, that will show the downsides. It'll be like people that saved mm -hmm. up 50K, 100K, and they'll be like, I'm one of the people that saved up all this money and jumped into my side hustle and I lost it all. Mm. And I think people don't see that enough. Yeah. So like many people might think I'm successful just because numbers on social media and uh, like when people meet me, they'll ask me who my manager is and who my PM is and who's helping me with all these stuff, who's my editor, but it's just me. Mm -hmm. And I think, like you said, like a job that has those transferable skills mm -hmm. is very helpful because it's been more sustainable for me to create now. Because I did think at first, like, oh, it's just create. It's just go make a YouTube video, make an Instagram reel, make a Twitter post. But it's not that like you have to have like some kind of strategy, some kind of plan. Otherwise, you're just going to be sporadically posting and you won't grow. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely yeah. think it's good to have like a disciplinary job to teach you some fundamentals that can translate into like your creative passion. Love that. But what so me being me, I'm going to then ask the question. We're going to go deep first. <laughs> what? what does the growth mean then? Like, what is, the, what is the end goal of the growth? Like, for you specifically, and then just your advice at large, because, like, is the growth ultimately going to lead to you being fully entrepreneur? Like, is that going to help you lead the lifestyle you want to then? Or is it j just growth for the sake of growth? I hope so. I think, um, like I was saying, the end goal for me is to have, like, a community that's really interested in the things that I'm interested in. Because... A lot of followers to me doesn't really mean anything if they're not engaged, they're not interested, because there's a huge difference between a following and like a community. So I might yeah. have 200,000 people, but that's <laughs> been over the course of a year. So how much can someone learn about me in the course of a year? If I have 200,000 over the course of five years, I think it's gonna be a much better community because they will have been with me for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the end goal for me is to consistently post, gain this following and see who sticks around for the long haul because those are the people that I want, the people that are interested in lifestyle and travel and photography and 
working a nine to five with a side hustle. Those are the people I want around. Whereas some people might find my video thing. It's cool. Follow me. But then three months later, be like, oh, why am I following this guy? They won't even know me that well. And they'll unfollow me. And Mm -hmm. so that's not like an end goal person that I want. I really want someone that feels connected to me and feels like they can get value from me, but also appreciates like any kind of content I'm going to put out there. Cause I do want to explore, uh, more creative freedom, uh, just throughout my following. I, I don't want to like have social media carve me because I have found through the success of social media that obviously there are fast growth methods, which in summary is just you provide value, you will get followers. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, providing value can be for lack of better word, boring because it's just sitting like in like this podcast. Like I think we're providing a lot of value during this podcast but I'm sure we would all have a lot of fun if we were in like Yosemite, like chasing sunsets, like that would be way more fun, but there's like a balance to both of them. And, mm-hmm. um, I want my following to enjoy the value, but also come along on the adventures because they care about me as a person. Mm-hmm. So there's like two, two sides of it for you. Yeah. There's the, yeah. there's the excitement, there's the adventure, there's like the participation in the lifestyle. And then there's also the value add of the education, the things that you're learning along the way, the things that you're providing to people. And we actually kind of talked about this in the car on the way back from the airport this morning. It's like, oh, you know, how do you, how do you, you know, kind of diversify the things that you're doing as far as the content it is that you're making where, you know, you're not stuck as the tutorial person, the (laughs) gear review person. Mm. You can also, you know, provide just the things that are really exciting to watch, the things that are fun to watch but breaking out of the mold of like, oh, I'm the camera guy. I'm the review guy, the tutorial guy. Like, ah, those aren't always the most life-giving things to do. They're not the mm-hmm. most fun always, but they also do, you know, it's a double-edged sword. They, they bring people to the channel. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah, I definitely like, like, making gear videos, having, like, companies send me gear. But at the end of the day, I'd rather have, like, an experience, like, going out to a place, taking people along with me. But those are the videos that are slower pace uh, and definitely in this like media where everything's super fast paced, fast cuts. Um, it's hard to gain that connection with people organically unless you're doing like that fast paced content. So it is difficult, but Mm -hmm. like I said, it's, it's a time period. So I don't think there's a follower goal. I think there's like a community goal. Mm. And I think that is like an undefined timeline because I haven't been around long enough to know how long it takes to make someone feel like they're in a community because I've only really been committed to social media for about two years now. And there are definitely some people that message me repeatedly and I talk to them a lot and I'm like, this guy is a really good follower, a good community person. He's great, he interacts with a lot of videos, everything. Um, but then like I said, there's plenty of new people that aren't there yet. Like I think I, I read something that says like, you need to have someone see your content like seven to eight times mm-hmm. before they, they like, kind of recognize you as like someone mm-hmm. like, okay, that might be the tutorial guy, but at least they recognize you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So what is it that you do? <laughs> uh, right now it's, it's different. It's kind of weird. Cause a lot of my channels like are different um, on my Twitter. I, I, I mean, they're like in the same realm of camera photo related, but on Twitter, I do a lot of posts, a lot of behind the scenes, like editing stuff on uh, Instagram. I post like just behind the scenes using different cameras my goal with the series has always been to show that you can use any camera to create amazing photos. I think some people might misinterpret it as me just using amazing cameras to take amazing pictures, but I use a lot of lackluster cameras to take what I would consider amazing pictures, yeah. um, trying to inspire people. Um, I've always wanted to get more into this talking style content on my short form content like Instagram, but 
the content that I've been producing has been doing well. It's kind of like I've just been producing that, which has been good, but it's kind of like what I was saying before is like in, uh, social media can carve you because when they're pumping you with followers for a content that's doing well, you feel inclined to keep doing that. Mm -hmm. Feed the beast. And then, yeah, keep feeding it. And mm -hmm. then you grow this giant following that only expects one thing. And then if you post something else, it could get like no views because people don't care about that. Yeah. So I've grown really fast, but I've almost really want to slow down, grow a community that understands that I don't just create one type of video. I create many types of stuff. And like you said, what do I do? It's right now it's mostly camera, a little bit of travel and a lot of editing and value providing, but I want to convert into like lifestyle with cameras and lifestyle cameras and travel because I think that's a more encompassing thing that shows like a real life experience rather than here's a camera, here are photos. So we just covered Instagram and Twitter then. Another conversation we had earlier was about your YouTube channel, yeah. which is something that's growing as well. Put a lot of time into it. It is a little more tutorial review heavy, but you also have a lot of interest in short films and uh, cinema and making kind of movie style videos for YouTube as well. Is there like a, a dream short film that you want to create or just a style you want to lean into more for your video work? So so this is like this funny thing. When I, um, when I used to play soccer in like, I don't know, second grade, fourth grade, I, I, I have like this mentality that I am the best. Like I know I'm not but I, I have to have this mentality that I am the best. Mm. Um, so I always imagined if I had a soccer team with 11 of me, that it would be the best team <laughs> ever, you know? And I feel like that mentality is like kind of toxic and it kind of carried over into like the filmmaking world. I do a lot by myself, but I always like have these, have these dreams of like, okay, one day I'm gonna create a show like The Office or Breaking Bad, like shows I really look mm, up to. Mm. But I like had to really sit down with myself like, no phone, journal, and just be like, for me, like I imagine like the same scenario, like me as a DP, camera person, light person, doing everything. And I'm like, that's not possible. Yeah. Like there's no way. And yeah. I don't know if I wanna be like a person who's just like one person on a set creating something. So I think like it, it might very well evolve into that as I make more connections. Mm -hmm. But I think right now it's making the best content I can as one person. Hmm. I think like your friend and I, I don't know him yet, but I know him through you guys, Danny Gavertz. He does really well by himself. We, yeah. Just like one cameraman at, at mm -hmm. most sometimes. He's really good at making enticing videos. And he did make a movie with people, but he makes tons of stuff by himself. I think that's kind of what I want to go into. Mm. Making high quality stuff by myself. And then if it arises that like more people want to work together, then creating like a documentary like you guys yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. But right now it's just focusing on my own skills and learning. Um, like I said, documenting my own personal journey throughout life, cool. like Eric does with his running. I want to do that with some hobbies because I feel like over the past few years, I've been super interested and super niche down into photo and video, which is why my channels are about that. Mm -hmm. It's almost consumed a lot of my life. Mm -hmm. But there's so much out there to enjoy, like rock climbing, hiking, um, just stuff that the average everyday person does instead of obsessing over camera gear. Right, right, right. So yeah, that's kind of the end goal is just producing high quality content and value in areas that might be lacking it, I think. For sure. Yeah. Mm, yeah, okay. Which is kind of like what Eric did with his running channel. Yeah. 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 It's yeah, been like, deeply fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. It, it, yeah. it seems great. Like, if you, if you guys are watching the <laughs> the video, he Eric got me into running. <laughs> I bought these hokas. Um, 
It's between Fire, the hookahs and the on clouds. I think those are like the popular ones. But I bought these. We're actually wearing the same shoes, coincidentally. <laughs> Wait, can uh, you actually, for the sake, if you're if you're listening, you won't see this, but for the YouTube video, can you show uh, the the tallies that you yeah, added yeah. to your I just, one? I just started running, and I I always viewed running as like a punishment because I played soccer, basketball, and it was always like, okay, you're doing sprints, you're doing suicides, whatever they call them nowadays, um, and you have to run as a punishment. And I'm trying to get over the hump of running as a hobby and i think that it's it's been fulfilling for me to like check off i have different colored tallies on my shoes for like the goals that i set out for myself and ultimately i'd like to run half a marathon by the end of the year and i'm getting closer but it's like that it's like now that i'm trying not to obsess over like photo and video and trying to explore different hobbies like my life feels a little more fulfilling yeah yeah, yeah it can be really isolating and dreadful to not have personal hobbies in the world of art yeah <laughs> if you just especially on an entrepreneurial pursuit of art it can be extremely uh lonely and yeah for me like running has been that uh, outlet and something else i can obsess over that naturally is healthy but um doesn't feel doesn't feel toxic in the same way, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's something we've been talking about on the show a lot recently between Eric, Gene, and I is the commercial work that we're doing, a lot of the client-facing work that we, we do as well. And I think that's maybe less talked about, I think, in, in our industry where everything is very social media-facing and you see a lot of the cool stuff that people get to do, the experiences, the trips, the, you know, the, the interesting thing, the Instagram bangers, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a whole other side to our business, which is really the sustainable side. And that's the client work. It's working for clients. It's getting paid and actually building up something that can be reliable. Um, what's your experience like been so far for client facing work within your business? Yeah, I, for the people who did listen to last podcast, I ended up leaving my software engineering job and I took about six months off just to uh, grow my personal business because there was, like I said, the tipping of the scale. And I was I was basically done with my job as a software engineer. I'd worked there for a couple of years. I was ready to go anyway. But instead of picking up a job right away, I decided to like kind of cut out the work and automate some stuff with my business. So I set up my own website uh, with like email campaigns. Uh, I created like LUTs and presets to be on my store just so like I could sell something passively. Um, and then I was picking up a lot of clients. And at the time, since I didn't have a job, I was picking up any client. Um, really trying to negotiate, becoming a better negotiator, which yeah. is hard because you never know what everyone's asking rate is. Yeah. And a lot of companies that reach out to you or you reach out to, like even though they're big companies, they might not have a lot of budget for advertising. Um, like I've reached out to companies that are huge and they're like, oh, we have less than $1,000 to budget towards a social media campaign. <laughs> and it's like, it's hard to work with that. Yeah. So, and then there's a couple of those. So sometimes you have to pick up, like, I think at most I probably had like eight to 10 clients okay. that I had to do like within a one to two week period. Um, and it's a lot of work because you're not getting a lot of money and yeah. like companies that are paying you what they think is a lot of money <laughs> um, ask for a lot of revisions and are asking for, and we were talking about this too, like they might give you creative freedom that you will take and then when you give them a deliverable, they'll ask for something completely different. Yeah. And it's just frustrating because they could have provided structure up front. Yep. Um, so I think as I've worked with many more clients over mm -hmm. that six month period, I learned that I only want to take quality clients, like yeah. clients that pay me a value that I feel is good for me. Mm -hmm. 
and that isn't like a super long commitment or like has a good contract, not like net 180. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause yeah. it does feel like a, the whole game of commercial work to rid yourself of those feelings of, you know, spite when they come back with revision after revision yeah. is like a solid contract and things that guarantee structure on the front end, you yeah. know, and the learning experience of, okay, I want it like one of our last ones, we, we come to the contract like three times and we went through the deliverable section and I'm looking over Gene's shoulder and be like, be more specific on that line. Be more specific on that one. Let's, let's say this exact number, like let's give a window on that number. Let's be very precise here so that when it gets to that time, there's no, there's no gray area and we can always refer back to that. Um, and it sounds like that's what you're learning over time too, is just like, especially on the contractual side. Yeah. Oh, contracts yeah. are your best friends. Yeah. Yeah. Contracts <laughs> can be a real pain up front. But like you realize how necessary they are. Oh yeah. Because when a client asks you to over deliver, you want to have something to reference so you can get more money if you over deliver. Yep. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be in a point where like now they're like holding out payment until you give that over deliverment because yep. you never agreed on a final set. Yep. Even though you kind of did. Yep. Um, it has to be in write-in. And yeah, there are some clients, like even big clients, like mm -hmm. don't have contracts. And it's crazy. Like yep. the creative world is so different. Every brand you work with is completely different in payment, completely different in their contracts. Some people have like four contracts, like NDAs and like a normal contract and then some contract to get gear, <laughs> like shipped to you and shipped back. Like there's a lot of paperwork, but honestly, the more paperwork, the better I would say, Yeah. because it shows that they actually care and they usually have bigger budgets and people looking over yep. and then you can negotiate and it ends up being good. But yeah, mm -hmm. I, I don't think I, I have the time to take clients that are, that are smaller now. Yeah. Like I, I know you guys are cutting out weddings from your business a lot as you're moving into creative filmmaking and stuff like that. And I do the same. Like I'm not doing any portraits. I'm not doing any weddings because those types of clients, they're just, for lack of a better word again, they're not worth my time mm -hmm. because they don't have a big budget that would make my time worth it, especially when I have so little work in a normal job and then using this as a side hustle. And you yeah. need plenty of hours for Call of Duty. Too. Yeah, and need plenty oh, of hours dude, for Call of Duty. You have to keep that as a line item in <laughs> yeah. the calendar. Put it know? in the contract. <laughs> Come on, man. I need four hours of Call of Duty a day, and it has to be before 12 a.m. I need two two-hour Call of Duty breaks in the middle of our production. <laughs> I mean, the dream job is just work for Activision. Just get yeah, yeah. <laughs> make some videos for them. <laughs> yes, promote, make a Call of Duty trailer. <laughs> our friend has been doing motion graphics and he just got hired on to Avatar. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. As yeah. one of 5,000 VFX artists. <laughs> <laughs> but that was mind-blowing to see. Like yeah. He's super young. He's like 21, yeah. and he's just been going after it in Unreal Engine and Jeez. Yeah. found his way in. And I, I don't even know what he is doing or no. using, but it's probably a very specific role because yep. a movie like that has yep. so many moving parts. Oh it's just God. unbelievable. Super cool though. Yeah, yeah. That's a good thing about niching down is that you can get into those very specific roles. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I think what you said earlier with companies not being super formal is almost kind of encouraging. Like you see, you see a business that has tons of success, but then you kind of see their back end and you're mm -hmm. like, oh, this is a hot mess. And you're like, okay, cool. So the stuff that's like a hot mess in my business, like I feel a little bit better about <laughs> that. Like it's I like, could still find success. I'm not saying it's it's a good thing. No. <laughs> but it's like, oh, you're a company that I've looked up to for so long. You have a thousand employees and you are just as mismanaged as I am. Yep. That's weirdly encouraging. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. it kind of works out. <laughs> yeah, the more we talk and like you said before, like peeling the curtain back and seeing stuff is great. Like, because not to roast your studio, but like everyone here has seen this amazing thing. Yeah. But we just like barely yep. hung this rally cap oh, flag yeah, up, uh-huh. and there's like a half unpainted wall yep. over there. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. But Always. like, but it's better than but the blanket yeah. fort that we started out <laughs> with this year. <laughs> it's but it's fun. Yeah, we weren't hiding it. No, yeah. Well, like we're we're very transparent about the process of like yeah. what it takes to get to something like this. Like the whole breakdown video about how we built the you know the whole yes. <laughs> set yeah. that we're in right now. You know, is like it's not a very attractive process. It's super tough. But it's also really helpful, I think, for people to see that, to know what it takes and, and how, you know, ragtag it can be sometimes. 100%. Yeah, yeah. because when I was starting, like, everyone just makes it look so easy. Right. Yeah. Like, you look at the big creators, and you're, they're pumping out a video a week. Yeah. And you're like, this guy is filming, traveling, editing. But then you realize he's really just, like, filming. Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. someone editing and adding sounds and posting mm-hmm. for them. and But they don't always talk about that. No. So you don't realize that until... You know, you're trying to do it, and you're like, "This is impossible." Yeah, like yeah. this is the impossible. How am I gonna play Call of Duty? Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's impossible for a reason because one person isn't doing it. Ten different people have hands on that one video that you saw, and it looked so impressive. But yeah, of course, that's an unrealistic standard to have for yourself. Yeah. So like going back into like what I said before about the people that lose all their money trying to create their business, I think people need to realize that it most of the time isn't like a one man band, like. Get in like paying to get a worker or paying to get someone to edit could severely like increase your production mm-hmm. and your, the money for your business. Like it's something I'm definitely thinking about in the future. Like I think yeah. that's another step in my process. Yeah, is getting someone to actually help me because it's getting to that point where I can't post every day and I can't create content for every social media every day because I have no time to do anything else. Mm-hmm. Like it's really. I, I'm not like burnt out, but at the same time, like always burnt out. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yes, yeah. but yeah. Yep. Like, I'm still doing it, but, like, I'm burnt out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always nagging in the back of your head. Yeah. Like, you can always remember, like, oh, I haven't posted to YouTube in a while or Instagram or Twitter, whatever it is. Yep. Like, like the, I mean, what you said earlier, the feed the beast mentality. Yes. Like, oh, yep. it's just, it's exhausting. Yeah. It's exhausting. Eric, how's it been for you? Because you've, I mean, I mean, it's been eight months now, 10, 10 months since you brought yeah. Shua into your business. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's increased anxiety in that payroll is yeah. new now you know it's like every single week that money's coming out of the account so it's a balance of how is it how is it being made back and mm-hmm. it had like we have had a ton of personal expenses it, with my family uh, we spent a lot of money on production for the documentary we shot all last year so just watching the bank account drain and drain and drain has been making me feel really anxious mm-hmm. But knowing that this phase is a huge investment phase Mm -hmm. and it feels like we're finally turning that corner and seeing the fruit of all these investments and what is on the horizon uh, financially in a strict financial sense. Um, So that's looking at it from a business practical sense. On a personal side, it's lovely. (laughs) It is lovely. Um, You know, everyone asks me how I balance everything all at once and my response is always community and Shua is, has been grafted into this community and is arguably the, like the glue that holds everything I do together at this point, you know, um, the running channel you've referenced would be wholly impossible without him. He, he shoots and edits virtually all of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's not profitable right now, but again, it's a, it's an investment. Like I'm seeing it as something that could really turn into something, way bigger later and uh yeah it's it's 
I mean, today I shot a little mini documentary for the running channel and she was not working today. And I'm like, I can't remember the last time I've shot something just by myself. Mm -hmm. Like this is taking forever. (laughs) (laughs) It is like, oh my, I've had to do like seven trips up and down stairs to go get other things. And I've done like 70 different checks to make sure I have every basis covered. And I just wasted like an hour. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and it's true. Like you just can't like same to to your point with making a TV show or a movie. You, Literally you can't impossible. Do it alone. Like, no. Yeah. And um, filmmaking is a team sport, as our friends at Sunny Sixteen have said. Yes. And put on a T-shirt. <laughs> but hearing um, some of Casey's perspective in uh, that three-hour podcast he was just on, like he talks. Someone, one of them was like, "You want to you want to make movies? Like you ready?" And he's just like, "No, I hate it." Mm-hmm. I can't, I don't have the, I don't have the attention span. And he's like, I like making short movies about my favorite city on planet earth. And it's like, he really knows what he wants. And there's something really encouraging about that because I think a lot of people tell you like, okay, well the next step for you is making a movie now, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think that's the last thing I want to convey. Like me, you know, us doing the doc and Danny doing his movie. I feel like a lot of filmmakers are gonna be like, okay, well, once I get there, then I'll make my movie. And you're like, if you want to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I think it's cool for the people that have that as a lifelong dream. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think us and Danny as a proof of concept is incredible, especially Danny. Like what he pulled together is yes. a- mm-hmm. actually unbelievable. Yes. Uh, and I think logistically impossible for a lot of people to actually pull off. Yeah. Um, so for the people that have had that as a lifelong dream, like I have had a screenplay since I was 12 or whatever, like mm-hmm. yeah. that's so cool to see those people that you admire actually set out and accomplish that thing in a very untraditional way. Like yeah. That is hugely inspiring, but it is not a guaranteed thing that when we publish the documentary in whatever capacity that is, or that when Danny's movie is potentially purchased after a festival, that he immediately would jump into another film. Right. But it's not a guaranteed next thing. Like maybe maybe by the end of this, we're like, hey, that was a one and done thing. Maybe it's not, but also we have, we have no idea. Like right. there, there's just no expectation that that would be a guaranteed next step. Yeah, I think a good thing that Eric said was that he's viewing it as like an investment phase. Cause I think most people have to view it as like that. Like you're never, I don't think, going to jump into a creative side hustle and instantly be making money. Mm-hmm. I think you need to have some sort of fund in unless you're doing some real I don't even know unless you're doing like very low production like uh stuff but if you're trying to get into stuff like we do you definitely need a budget you definitely need people to help you and that is the reason like I work the nine to five like I was telling Stephen like I'm interested in travel I would like to get like an RV or converted sprinter van at some point but making that money just if I was to quit my job and just do my side hustle like the money in and money out would be like net even or, yeah. or negative. Yep. Yeah. Like I have to have a nine to five if I want to achieve my goal of yep. doing that longer travel, which to me is an investment. So I might not be saving as much money as I want right now, but I'm, I'm like you, I have anxiety, but I know that this is like an investment into what I want to do. Yeah. And even if I don't end up liking it or I don't, or like you don't end up wanting to do another doc or another movie, like you are going to learn what you really want to do after ruling these things out. Mm-hmm. So. I, th- I think it's really cool. What you're doing is what I like to teach. I think a lot of people with a traditional business plan are looking for investment money or looking for a loan or any way to 
get that bankrolling. And what you're doing is kind of hacking the system and bankrolling yourself through time and work through a different job that's wholly unrelated to the thing you want to grow or be have be profitable. And I think a lot of people miss that. And it's really hard work. Like getting a loan is a lot easier than bankrolling yourself through more work. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's anxiety in a whole new level. Mm -hmm. And it puts on the pressure of needing to make the money back um, or else you're crippled with the debt. And so uh, for me personally, like that's, that's a wonderful business plan if it works, you know, like that could, that's how a lot of businesses happen and a great idea with a lot of hard work that pays that money back. Great. Um, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in the debt um, <laughs> because yeah, I think it could, in, in a lot of ways it could cripple you and not make you want to pursue that next thing. Um, whether it's the RV or want to continue in the creative thing, you know? Um, but yeah, it, this is just my experience and I think it's really cool and I think it'll be really encouraging for a lot of people to hear that as well. And it, it's, you're, you're not a failure if you have to have another job outside of your creative mm -hmm. endeavors, you know? I think that's the wiser way to go about it also. Cause I mean, some businesses you need a loan to jumpstart things, right? Like yeah. you, 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 it would take way too long two lifetimes. to wait yeah. like work a full-time job and raise your own capital kind <laughs> of mentality company. yeah it's yeah. like okay uh that's not possible but like us being in the creative field we have such a low overhead yes comparatively so it's like yeah you could just grind it out for two or three years save that money put it aside and then you have the equipment or the connections or you you know booked the right travel experiences and you know opportunities and and things like that that is comparatively so much cheaper to fund and so much more feasible to fund yourself, which is amazing. So I think for a lot of people, it is a much wiser decision to just yeah work that job for a couple of years. Hundred percent. I think it's it's kind of it's funny to me when I see creatives like make reels like, oh, you don't think I'm worth it? Well, my camera's two thousand dollars and da 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 da, <laughs> and they're like listing off twenty thousand dollars worth of gear, and I'm like, all right, well, you don't have a commercial space with. 10 salaries to pay and mm -hmm. like a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> worth of equipment. Like there are businesses that are so much bigger and yeah. than you. Yeah. Yeah. And like that perspective is so interesting. Like, I get yeah. it. I get it. I'm not trying to downplay that business costs money, but like a, a little bit of perspective is really interesting yeah. in realizing there are so many more businesses that have a hundred times overhead and so much more risk. You can start a wedding photography business with 10 grand. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Easy. Yeah. That's probably one of the cheapest and highest returning jobs you could create Which for is yourself. Such a great way to get into the game. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You can make it's a lot amazing. of money. I think um, one thing that's important is like understanding like the perspective too that a lot of careers don't start until like like I think I'm 26. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but I never know how old I, I am. Know. After 2020, yeah, you just don't. After Listen, 2020, he slept for three know. hours tonight. You don't have hours. to worry. I'm pretty sure I'm 26. I'm either 26 or 25. I'm pretty sure I'm 26. But anyway, there are a lot of. He's <laughs> just cracking up. <laughs> there are a lot of jobs that don't start until like you're 30. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. if you're a doctor, even an NFL coach, like yep. the youngest NFL coaches are like 30, 35. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like. That means I wouldn't start my dream job for like 10 years. Yeah. So if wow. I would just work my nine to five and then started filmmaking uh, when I was like 35, I'd be on pace with like some other people's career paths. Yeah. But hmm. everyone wants to jump into like filmmaking as like an 18 year old. And yeah, that's like not sustainable. And if you have to take those crappy jobs that don't have good guidelines 
you will burn yourself out. You will spite it and you could end up hating it. Mm -hmm. So I think like we said, is like, you have to find a way, like, especially if you know the overhead is 20 grand, you can work for a year, make 20 grand, learn people skills, mm -hmm. write up your own contract. So if you do get a bad uh, client, you can have your own contract to send over to them. Mm -hmm. And those are way more valuable than brute forcing working in the job you want and then losing all your money going into debt and then having this anxiety and hatred towards the thing that put you in debt. Mm. So, yeah. Awesome. Good words, man. Something that was that deeply was encouraging to me was Doc Trip when Ryan Booth came and he, he was like kind of evaluating my business and life and he had seen my my work from the outside, you know, me making videos about how much I make a year, all the things we have going on, the the production and what we were making at that point. And he was just like, how old are you? Because Ryan's 40. Uh, 40. Um, he's like, how old are you? I was like, 31, kind of similar to you. I was like, wait, how old am I? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, 31. And he didn't say anything. He just went, huh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, just that interaction alone was so encouraging to me. Someone who is, you know, almost a decade older than me, just being like, you're fine. Mm -hmm. Like, you're on, a, you're on a great path mm -hmm. right now. In the same vein of like, yeah, no, a lot of people aren't making a feature-length documentary until their late 30s, you know, my age, 40s, you know, so. And I, we we didn't really sign up to do that. It just kind of no. naturally happened. We and just did it. Yeah, we're just, like, finding ourselves in this position of, like, oh, yeah. I think that is because of the work that you put in, the money that yeah. you made doing other things. Exactly. Allowed you to do that. Exactly. And that's never would have done it. Yeah, the same thing that we're preaching. It's, like, sometimes you have to do another path and then it opens up opportunities like if you work really hard and get great gear now you can go into anything you could do wedding photography yep. you could do landscape photography you do anything because now you got the gear um and i think that's a good point it's like yeah there's quite literally no way we would have been able to do it had i not done my photo video education like it mm -hmm. just would not have happened functionally uh i, I wouldn't have spent that much and the other crazy thing is like the dynamic that we have as a group of everyone just kind of being like, yeah, there's, there's kind of no budget. Let's just do this collectively and trust each other allowed us to do it for a fifth of the price. It probably should have cost to do the production. 10th even. Tenth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shoestring. Yeah. Like yeah. Quite literally everybody just saying, no, I will, I will put in my time and energy to be a part of this is, is a deeply profound thing. Mm -hmm. And now we're having conversations, you know, um, getting in the editing process and potentially f festival uh, market and potentially getting purchased mm -hmm. by a streaming service or whoever. And it's the upside is just so, so much larger than we ever could have imagined. Yeah. Um, like life changing upside, potentially. Definitely. To think that that started as an idea of a mini documentary that was made specifically to be put on YouTube and now we're here is unbelievable like that's how this project started um, yeah and it, to, to zoom out on this conversation it's just it's just about like the, the diligence of that's why I don't like shying away from talking about money because another thing Ryan said and I've talked about this on this podcast is in, on that trip he said money is energy like if you really focus on money being energy to be the to be the fuel that you want it to be for the projects you want to do, that's exactly what it is. And 
it does open up those doors in the creative world that you just never thought were possible. And when you're presented that opportunity and you're, you build up that community and you make the relationships with those people, all of a sudden you have a conversation and it's like, I never thought that was possible for me and my career. Do you want to do it together? Yeah, we're going to do it. We have, we're bankrolled by ourselves and let's go, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I see a lot of that on your horizon, which is really exciting. And you're doing wildly amazing things at the age of 25 or six or whatever you are. <laughs> whatever you think you are. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. can't wait to check in with you another year from now and see where you're at. I can't at. believe you're 26. Holy crap. You don't look <laughs> older than that, but it's just, yeah, it's mind-blowing. Yeah, it's, um, I'm just carving out my path right now. Like I said, I, I hope, like I met people that have listened to the last episode yep. that really said it inspired them because like last year I was in that phase of still building up, which I still think I am. Yep. Um, and a lot of people are in that. And I, I like hearing like your perspectives being ahead of me. Um, saying the money is fuel because, you know, I haven't thought of it that way. But at the same time, I subconsciously have thought of it that way because yeah. I've realized, like, I can't go and quit my job because I will not have any way to make money. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all great stuff. And, yeah, I'm excited to see what you guys said because between, like, networking and, and, like, producing this, like, you said, like, this is a big investment for you. But... I told Steven that on my plane ride over, I watched like this big budget film that was not good at all. Mm. And I just think, I know you guys, I know the work you produce, that the documentary is going to be amazing. And I just know that like that small investment, like this bootstrap documentary project could open up such a large scale, heavy investment project. And that's exciting. Thanks, Thanks, man. Yeah. I think that's what a lot of people need to know is like, you need to invest in yourself first. Like you have to be the one to believe in yourself. That's what, like the same thing. I believe I'm the best. I know I'm not the best at taking photos at, at filmmaking or anything, but I believe if I could clone myself, like my determination and mindset could get me to the finish line. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what like you, uh, Steven, Danny, we all have that mindset that if we're going to do it and we have the sustainability and the energy to do it, it will get done. Mm-hmm. We see it through. Yeah. Yeah. What yes, movie sir. was it on the plane? Tell me. Roasted. Um, it was called, um, I think it was like A Ride Home in the Dark. I don't even remember the name was so bad. <laughs> a Ride Home in the Dark. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> Sounds um, awful. I'll, I'll give you like a quick, if anyone <laughs> doesn't want to hear a spoiler about a movie that's very bad, they can pull, <laughs> go forward like a minute. But 60 second reviews yeah. with Tyler Steele. Here we go. Boom. All right. Here so, we go. so it's about a guy who goes into the wilderness with his, um, like his wife and his two kids. And <clears throat> so... Maybe I misinterpreted the movie. I don't think I did because it's very straightforward. There's no like real twist or turns, um, <laughs> which is a bad movie, you know. <laughs> but anyway, so this guy gets pulled up on by two people and they go to like rob him. Uh, they murder his family and on they like start taking him and they slowly reveal like his past and why he did it. And the whole reason that they like kidnapping him is because like some kid went to like he was a teacher at this school that like beat children and they like use like a, a metal wire to like scrub this kid's skin off his arm. Ugh. So they like killed his whole family and then took him back to the place where he did it. And there was two guys that like kidnapped him and the one like goes to kill him. He ends up like losing the fight to the guy, but he's like on his lo- last nine breath. And then the twist of the movie is that the other guy in the, in the like bad guy side shoots the other bad guy. And the only line he says, he's like, I really don't like this school movie ends. 
No. I swear. You're... I don't know what happened. Oh, wow. That, <laughs> that's an airplane movie right there. Yeah, it was wow, that's It was on Netflix. It's a Dude, Netflix there's, movie. Well, there's like, so much garbage on Netflix. Yeah, like everyone talks about like, oh, this camera's Netflix approved. But like the movies on Netflix shouldn't even be Netflix approved. They're bad. <laughs> All right, I'm done, I'm done. And the wild thing is yeah. probably like a $20 million budget to yeah, make it. Yeah, that's happen. probably like a lot. Something but, completely yeah. inflated. And it was like shot over the course of like one night. So like it was like just like they got went went out nighttime and that was like the whole movie. So it was like one day. Sick. So it was I'm sure they used multiple days. It was yeah. like one day and it wasn't like not a lot of actors, no special effects. Yeah. The script writing was just bad. Well, take that as encouragement that yeah, yeah, you can yeah. make your own movie someday that'll be better than that. Maybe on the <laughs> Netflix. Almost yeah. assuredly. Yeah. Yeah. We'll link the movie Dark Home Night Ride <laughs> uh, below. Don't link it. Don't link it. <laughs> Don't link it. Uh, Kyler, thank you so much, man. This has been super fun. Yes. Thank you, guys. Do you, uh, you want to see the doc trailer? In a little bit? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Of okay. course I would. Awesome. Why Fantastic. Wouldn't I? <laughs> well, uh, well, we won't show it here, but we'll, we'll, we'll show you in a sec. Uh, thank you so much for watching, listening. Uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, if you are feeling generous today. And if you're watching this on YouTube, thanks for being here. Like, subscribe to the channel. Appreciate you. Love you so much. We'll see you next week on Rally Caps. Thanks for being our first guest. Yeah, first guest in this studio. First guest in this new studio. It's exciting. Who knows where we'll be in one year from now? Yeah, you'll be twenty-seven probably. Maybe six (laughs) or six. Yeah, (laughs) whichever one. (laughs) Let's go look at your driver's license. (laughs) (laughs) Peace. Red cats out.